Hello, and welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 143 is Paris Roberts of the band Truth Cult. They are out of Baltimore, and they're an incredible DC-style punk hardcore band. They put out a record called Walk the Wheel earlier this year in March. It came out on Popwig Records, which is, of course, the uh, label operated by members of Turnstile and Angel Dust. Um, it's just such a fucking good record. I love this band a whole lot. I was really excited to talk to Paris. I want to let you know they're actually playing shows this weekend. If you're in the Toronto area, they'll be playing Toronto, Detroit, Franklin, Wisconsin, and Pittsburgh. I had to actually look up how bad the drive from Franklin, Wisconsin to Pittsburgh is. It's about nine hours. It's, uh, that'll be fun. Um, and then they just announced a full U.S. tour. Well, I sometimes caution myself to say full because there's always going to be the person who says they're not playing Florida, but they're playing a lot in the U.S. with the band Gel. It uh, takes them out to California where they'll be playing Sound and Fury this year. Uh, very exciting. That happens, of course, in July. So check out those dates. They just announced them yesterday. Um, and I want to let you know if you're new here that there is a bonus episode available right now where Paris answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month and get access to that bonus episode plus a whole lot more. If you subscribe for just a little bit more, you can submit questions to upcoming guests, all sorts of fun stuff that happens over there. There's a Discord channel where I was hanging out and I really, really would appreciate your support. It helps keep this show going. And uh, I'll be honest, it keeps me motivated. What can I say? Um, if you haven't subscribed to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, that also helps a lot. Telling your friends about it means the whole world. If you want to write me, you can hit me at the first ever mailbag at gmail.com. One of these days, I'm going to do a mailbag episode where I'll, uh, I'll read questions and answer them and all that sort of stuff for the show. That might be fun. Um, I leave for tour so soon. Oh, my God. I leave in a week. I fly in a week. And I will be gone for like five and a half weeks. But don't you fret. I've recorded a lot of episodes. So these are still going to be popping out. Um, I'm just having to decide if I need to bring my podcast equipment to Europe with me. Which, let me tell you, that's the last thing that I want to do. My goal is to prep and get all these episodes ready to go. But it's a lot of work and I'm stressing out already. So we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. If you haven't uh, checked out our dates and you happen to be in Europe, please go to touchamore.com slash tour. We're playing a whole lot of festivals, but we do have some club shows sprinkled in. Um, I think in Germany, the only club show we're playing is Hamburg. But we're playing like the Netherlands. We're playing some Eastern Europe uh, we're going to Spain. We're, we're kind of all over the place. It's a long tour. Like I said, five and a half weeks. So we'll see how this all plays out. All right. That's it for me. Please enjoy my conversation with the awesome, the talented, the incredible front man of Truth Cult. It is Paris Roberts. What's up, Paris? It's nice to officially, uh, through the internet, meet you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's great to meet you too, man. Uh, I've been a big fan of your band for a long time now. Uh, well, I guess since uh, the first LP came out, um, that was the first time I caught wind of it. And uh, I don't know, I've just really loved what you guys have been doing for a while now. And um, I'm sad I haven't been able to see you live yet, but here we are meeting at least. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Uh, it's been pretty hard for us to, because you're over in the West Coast, yeah, probably like California. Yeah, we're Los Angeles. I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. We uh it's been a little bit harder for us to get out there, like within the past I guess whole duration of us being a band. The only time we've really been out there was for the turnstile tour, but we didn't hit any part of California during that. But we oh. will be out there in July. No way. Is yeah. that announced yet? Not yet. Okay. Well that's awesome. Is it uh I mean, I don't know if how much when does that get announced? I imagine soon. This episode might not be out by the time, or might come out by the time it's announced. Uh, it'll be in July. The biggest hint I can give is that it's for a fest. I'm sure you okay. know which one it is. 
Aha. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. I, uh, I will be home hopefully. Um, I don't know exactly the dates for that, but I, I really hope I'm home. Um, yeah. I, how was, uh, you just got back from playing a couple of shows. It was with Glitterer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was really go? cool, man. It was very cool. Uh, that was our second time in Boston for like, when did we play? We played there with Gorilla Biscuits, uh, in February before our record release show. And that show was cool, but we finally got to play the hardcore stadium, which is something I've heard all the lore about. And, uh, I've been wanting to go since, you know, a, she has been a thing. Uh, and it was great. Uh, so much love was being passed around throughout the entirety of the night. Philly was awesome too. playing at the photo club is just like a surreal experience. Uh, shout out to Daniel for getting me as drunk as he did before the set. <laughs> um, and yeah, DC always so much fun. We love the glitter people. Um, all their new songs too sound incredible. So it was awesome to get to see those songs, uh, play like live in different renditions yeah dude it's yeah, been full yeah. band for like i think the past like year and a half or two years maybe yeah it's they just awesome they just played in la but i i wasn't able to make it but i got to i got to see ned uh, a little bit before ben was also in town so it was like a nice little little half title fight reunion there but uh they but yeah i i i got to meet the other members of the band who are all just so lovely but yeah i didn't get to, i didn't get a chance to go out to the show but i've been meaning to see it because yeah i've seen like the you know the other iterations of of glitterer for a while but uh you know ned is just such a interesting and um creative songwriter that it's it's cool to see him just really shine in that band you know it's awesome yeah and i'm sure yeah, you've seen you've seen it every single rip or most of the renditions of it, but this one is very loud. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, are you from uh, Baltimore originally? Yeah. Okay, like born and is the is the whole band kind of like born and raised, or is there some people who moved around? So, Robin, uh, Robin's from DC, uh, and then Ian, he I think he was born in like Detroit or something like that, and then he moved oh, okay. to. He moved to Maryland around like his early teens, I want to say, or maybe like a little bit before that. Emily is from PG County, Maryland. Okay. And uh, our new addition, Mike French, he's from Olney. I think I'm like the only one that is from Baltimore, but everyone's nice. pretty much Maryland or Maryland adjacent. Nice, nice. Did you, uh, did you kind of find your way in the scene going to shows at like Charm City Art Space? Like, was that place around? Dude, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I remember the first time I like saw a hardcore show there because uh, my friends were playing in this band uh, in high school. It was called Schroeder. And uh, eventually they got tied into booking shows because it's, you know, it's like a collective situation. Anybody can book there whenever they want. And it's all volunteer based. So back when we were like 16, they would book a bunch of like the uh, book, a bunch of like the little pop punk shows there or whatever. And then by, I want to say, our junior year of high school, we started getting a lot more into the local hardcore scene. And I remember actually, speaking of Ned, I saw a title fight there with, uh, it was Praise's record release show with Mindset, Nuclear Age, uh, Life of Riley. Dude, it was, dude, it was insane and probably the hottest I've ever been at any single show in my life. It <laughs> was, was was that the original location or when they had moved? That that was when they had moved. The, uh, the original location was uh, definitely a bit before my time. Um, okay. So I only got like, I want to say the last five years of Charm City Art Space. Got um, it. But at that point though, I had uh, also started to weasel my way into booking hardcore shows and stuff there too. Um, or at least just before I moved away to college back in like 2015. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Cause we, my band got to play the original one only the, on our very, very first full us tour, which is like DIY tours. And that was the night that we met pianos become the teeth, obviously from Baltimore. Um, and then the second time we came through, uh, was at the newer location. And that was actually pretty sure that was actually with title fight. So yeah, I, I was, you know, I felt so lucky to get to go there. Cause it's like, I feel like even now it still continued to be like this very storied venue for Baltimore. It truly is, and um, there's this. It's even so much of a a legacy that uh, this bar that opened 
for this restaurant and bar that opened, I think right next door, um, they recovered all the flyers from that, from uh, all the shows at Trust City Art Space, or at least all the oh, cool wow. ones. Yeah. And uh, they, they use it as their uh, bar counter. So if you oh, ever hear awesome. it back in Baltimore, you should get to check it out, man. It's really cool. Yeah. What's that place called? It's called Royal Blue. Royal Blue. Okay. Do they do shows ever? Uh, no, actually. Um, cause it's really, really new. It's uh, probably like, probably like, a half a year old or yeah, half a year old now. Um, they do like readings and stuff and they'll have like DJs play there. Ned actually is doing a reading there in like a month, oh, uh, which should be cool. But I don't know if it's, we still got to figure out like, like just as if they can do shows there. Cause it's only, there's only like so much room you can do. Sure. There's like a yeah. wild little dance floor there that's not that big, but I'm sure it could have like some sort of low key situation there. We're always yeah. looking for new places to start booking shows. <laughs> so like, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. the more the merrier, no matter how small it is. Um, well, I wanted to ask you when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house was something that like, you know, you felt like gave you a sense of identity. Oh yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm sure this is like a, an answer for a lot of people, but my intro, my introduction to all things that were alternative with counterculture was definitely playing like the Tony Hawk games and stuff. Okay. Um, I remember if, uh, the one that stuck out to me the most was uh, Proving Ground because that one had Circles by Dag Nasty on there, which later on became one of my favorite Discord bands to walk the earth yeah um but yeah like i want to say it was probably that uh through that and like even like my pre-adolescence years especially i would say finding music through my own like downloading all these weird stuff all this weird stuff from limewire and using rachel music to see what like what might be similar to like the dumb shit i was listening to like uh like a uh, zebra head and stuff like that <laughs> Dude, nice. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we were all in middle school once, so we can't all like the cool shit yet. But no, um, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Zebrahead still is like so big in the UK. Isn't that funny? Like, that's Are you like serious? yeah, like like you can still see them like headlining over like some big ass bands on the on like UK festivals. I'm like respect. Dude, I don't even know. I can't even. I can't even imagine how they even look like now. But hey, yeah, yeah. respect to them, dude. Shout out to Zebrahead. <laughs> um. I, you know, it's funny. There, there has been a few people that have mentioned um, Tony Hawk as a gateway, but I don't know that I've had anyone mention rate your music as like some sort of like a platform to sort of discover music. So talk to me a little bit about that and how that was an influence. So like basically um, I would use like these uh, these weird like forums and stuff like that. Right. Like these in these like chat boxes that I would meet people on like all these like scene kids or whatever. Right. And, um, later on I would find out that they would blog about like music usually no matter what it'd be like any like scene core stuff or like house or indie rock, whatever it might be. That's what they were doing for. It. And I think this is like a little bit before, uh, definitely like a little bit before Tumblr and when Tumblr became what it became. Right. So, um, I was probably like in the sixth or seventh grade, um, like using all that stuff to try to find more of a background because the algorithm on YouTube didn't really help that much. You know what I mean? It, it was, it was probably like 2007 or 2008 at this point. Um, but what was cool about rate your music was, um, if you typed it, if you typed on Google, uh, you know, a certain record that you loved, and then RYM, all these people had all these little crazy lists that would um that would that they would compile that maybe sounded like, you know, the record or a specific song that you loved from this record. And I think that's why I got attracted to it so much because of how specific and curated it was to okay. finding out the sounds that I like later on becoming to became to love, you know? Yeah. Do you remember any specific like uh gems that you found because of that site like that you maybe wouldn't have been turned on to otherwise yeah um all of the 
all of like the 90s, uh, what I guess they would call it, like emotive core or whatever, like uh, like braid and uh, seaweed. Some people consider seaweed emotive core and stuff like that. Sure. I remember listening to Killing a Camera from that Rate Your Music joint, and I was like, this is literally just like what all the Midwest emo bands that sound like when that when that second wave spark happened, this is like what that is right now. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And then what about, I mean, you talk, you know, you talk about like downloading and like YouTube and stuff like that. So uh, this might be, were you collect, were you like buying physical media at all at any point or was it just like all digital? Well, uh, ever since my mom taught me how to use like LimeWire and stuff, like I never had, I think I probably bought like, I probably bought like the first Drake record when I was in like the sixth or seventh grade too. But um, before uh, I got into like collecting vinyl and stuff, nah, I never really did that. Um, I might, yeah, like I might've bought like a few pop punk records from like the 2000s. I got gifted the little iPod joint. So like I couldn't use. Sure. I couldn't couldn't, like download music from uh, or burn the music from the CD to the iPod just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what about when you started collecting vinyl? What was? Do you remember the first LP you bought? Yeah, um, I think the first LP I ever bought was uh, was uh, "Can I Save" by Dag Nasty. Oh. Um, my friend's dad, who was in the first band that I was in in high school, he grew up in the mid to late '80s Discord punk scene. He was from Columbia, Maryland, which is where Void is from. So. Uh, he still had most of those records from that era. And I remember like going to my friend's house after school, even like skipping school is like listening to all these punk records with my homie. And there was this old record store in Ellicott city, old Ellicott city. That was like right down the street from our spot that would have some like rare punk gems here and there. I bought like bright side by killing time there once, which was crazy. But yeah, I remember seeing that record for the first time, and I was like, "This is like where I started." I didn't even own a record player yet, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like collecting shit and trying to get my stuff started and situated before I even got the record player in general. What was uh, what was that record store? Is it still around? Ah, uh, dude, I don't know if it's still around because Old Ellicott City went through like a bunch of floods because it's like a oh. it was like a like a ghost town, you know, like an old an old like vintage town or whatever. And it was like quirky and cute and stuff, but you know, there was like two floods that hit back to back within the past like three years of each other. So due to all of that, um, yeah, I think they, I think that record store just like had to move. I can't even remember what it's called, but I'm sure, I'm sure Tony from Celebrated would remember for me if I got it, if I hit him up or something like that, or even if you hit him up. Yeah, Tony uh tony from celebrated summer that's a now that is a very very solid reliable record store that i try to hit every single time we are we are anywhere near it dude straight up just the best guy best guy and the best store in baltimore honestly yeah has that uh what did that's i mean that that's like kind of a fun thing to talk about did that store become sort of a beacon for you once you started getting into this world like would you go there and you know ask for celebrated yeah what you should check out was he kind of like one of those sort of you know guiding lights in that sort of way well you know what's funny is that like i didn't even start going to i didn't start going to celebrate until like much later in my life you know um i would hit all the record stores like around my sanction of where i lived in baltimore like baltimore county but um it wasn't until like i turned 19 to which i started going to celebrate it and like then i met tony and was like playing with some of his bands like war games um and yeah i mean like definitely even later on whenever i see tony um we'll talk about whichever kind of music that he has in the shop and like, you know, he'll put me on to something that I hadn't learned for like, or hadn't known for, you know, years or whatever. Right. Remind me of how cool something was that I might've thought I grew out of because of some dumb reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I just, for some reason, yeah, it never, it never clicked to me to go to celebrate it and went in my teen years, but I think it's just cause I just never, I never had my ways about around to that area because that was no, in Hamden and I was like over 
and like southwest Baltimore, and that's like northwest sorta. Okay. Um, but even regardless, shot to this day, you know, love that place and love that guy. It's like a walk away from my crib right now. Oh, shout hell out to yeah. him. Love that dude. That's awesome. What was the uh what was the first concert you went to? Uh, you want the cool answer or the bad answer? I want both. <laughs> Uh, depending on who you are, actually, this could be a cool answer, but, uh, what was it? 2010, 2011, I saw Cake at this wild outdoor venue in, uh, Annapolis. I think it was just them. They played for like hour and a half, two hours. Awesome. I think that's a, I would call that a, I would call that a credible answer. That's uh yeah. I mean, I love Cake so much, man. That band, that band rules, but, um, I think the first, like. Well, what got you, what, what brought you there? Like what got you into cake? Dude, for some reason, uh, my, uh, my middle and high school, the kids there just like loved, it was like a, it was like a suburbia paradise. Uh, people loved cake and they loved sublime. So okay. that kind of, that kind of, uh, that pipeline was just destined for me, I guess. Sure. And, uh, you know, even to this day, you know, uh, I still have a lot to thank for all of that, like with even Cake and, dude, even Sublime. Like Sublime, if it wasn't for Sublime, I wouldn't even have known who the hell the descendants were, maybe till like much later. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, even, I haven't listened to Cake in a while, but it's I still back those boys hard. Yeah, because they're like, uh, though they had, you know, a couple hits on the radio, like The Distance and all of that, but like, they to this day kind of feel like a band's band you know what i'm saying they definitely like, are <laughs> you know it's like the, they never were out like doing big tours with like the foo fighters or like any of these sorts of bands but they always just sort of maintain their little pocket and kind of have their huge fan base like cult fan base it's like cool to see you know i feel like it's a little it's like comparable to like wilco's fan base you know what i mean it's True. like they're still so active and have their own little cult niche or whatever yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I guess Jeff awesome. Tweedy though is a little bit bigger than that, but still, sure. uh, it's cool, man. It's definitely a yeah. weird vibe. All right, so what? So then, what was what's would be considered the cool, cool answer then? The real cool answer was the cake one, but the bad answer was oh, uh, oh, oh. I didn't know if that was the considered the bad answer. I was like, I, nah. I was gonna say, yo, that's not a bad answer. That's a cool answer. It's not. Right. That's why I said depending on who you are. But the bad answer I would say was uh. It's like it's like a weird because I don't consider it as like a like a real concert because it was like a fest. It was the Warp Tour 2009 fest joint, okay. yeah. Um, and it was like okay. I saw like uh, who played that year. Newfound Glory played that year, which was fucking awesome to me. But sure. um, I don't know. I like that was it was such an odd odd time for me because I was getting I was kind of getting out of that speculation of uh, music. But mm-hmm. I still wanted to go and have like a sick time, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, yo, I can't, you can't fault any, especially young person, for wanting to go to that because it's like this big grounds of like different, you know, quote unquote counterculture. I guess you know exactly. Like it's a look at it. It's it's like, a very it's big like pivotal point for people learning or getting into the counterculture. You know. Yeah, and if you were, you know, I I feel like Tony Hawk to Warp Tour is a pretty fucking normal pipeline. So I, I don't oh, think definitely you. normal pipeline for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't give yourself a hard time for that. You're, you're oh no, nah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I said, you know, we're all we were all teenagers, man. Exactly, exactly. So hey, you know, I know you sing, you've you've sung in bands, but did you ever play any instruments or or did that? Yeah. Ever life? Um, I played in instruments later on. Um. I played in a band called James and a Giant Peach and the Family Band, which was like James and a Giant Peach was the indie band mm-hmm. that I started with a bunch of my friends from high school who were in like the hardcore punk band that I was into. And then the Family Band was just our extension of that because we okay. had all gotten into Neil Young aggressively at the same time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a uh, that was a fun little experience. Um, okay. And, you know, I'm not like your... a trained drummer or anything, but. Okay, I was going to ask what you played. Yeah, so you played drums? Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, at it. I like learn how to play through uh, You're Living All Over Me, that Dinosaur Jr. record. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, 
I can sustain a a cool rhythm with uh, the drums. Nice, nice. Do you find do you find yourself playing often now? Like, I mean, like when Truth Goal has band practice, are you the person? Are you the vocalist that goes and sits behind the drums when the uh, drummer gets up to go use the bathroom? Nah, more like the. I am the uh, vocalist that is literally air drumming with Robin during his parts. There so just you go. Like, I don't know. I. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's crazy being in a band with him. I'm like, dude, I can't even like pick up your fucking sticks because of how crazy you are at these drums. <laughs> I feel like it's taboo. Right, right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, yo, know, being being in a band with a great drummer is a is a true blessing that I feel like every. Also, I'll say that's like especially every vocalist should uh should should recognize you know what i'm saying like we're up there doing our own thing but the drummer is the if you got a badass drummer like there's something that about that that really amplifies your performance you know what i'm saying oh dude a hundred percent like sometimes i'll even find myself while we're performing robin will do some insane ass robin phil and i'm just like telling the crowd to just like look at the fucking phil that he's doing (laughs) like look at this fucking guy that's very sweet i like that uh so what was the first band you did <laughs> uh in ju- junior high school we wanted to be a avoid ripoff band um and we called ourselves joe biden all right so i i've i found this and i listened to this and it's for especially for a first band not bad i'll say mm-hmm. you could hear that you could hear that you're trying to sound like void and i think that's sick yeah, we later on changed our uh, name to Tokenize for obvious reasons. Uh, but we put, we ended up putting out a 7-inch and then breaking up right after. But like this, putting out the 7-inch was especially... Um, was that with the band Joy Boy? That, no, that? no. That was... Um, this was, was just... Say, I, I didn't see... I didn't... Well, at least on, you know, with my with my own little research, I didn't see a physical actual release. Maybe that wasn't put on like, you know, like Discogs or something like that. Who was the split with? It wasn't even a split. It was just us. Oh, it was oh, just oh. a seven inch that we put out. Um, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And I still have so much of them too. Uh, <laughs> All right. So if you're, lis- if you're listening, uh, you know, con- uh, contact uh, Paris and he'll send you a seven inch. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> yes. give it to you. I'll fucking give it to you. Um, <laughs> It was cool though, man. I mean, like, since for like all my uh, all my life of playing music, I've always wanted to have that band at least put out one record, like physical, like vinyl. You know what I mean? And I knew that it was gonna happen with Truth Cult because, like, by this point, we were um, tokenized was fizzling out, and Truth Cult was starting and you know hitting the gradual plane or whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, it just, it felt so special to me. It felt way more real. And uh, I felt like we can finally like put the band to rest now. And like all the hard work that we did for all those years, like yeah. eventually just paid off. You know what I mean? Was this, is the seven inch, uh, is it under tokenized or is it under Joe Biden? It's under tokenized. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, if you go, like if you go on like Spotify or some shit and type in tokenized, it all should be there. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. So what was that band's first show? Also, I mean, it's it's a hilarious band name. I mean, you probably obviously wouldn't have realized oh, that you would have become a yeah. president, <laughs> the president later. Also, was... shout out to you guys for, for, for you for having a band called James and the Giant Peach and then also a band called Joe Biden, the two like least Googleable uh band names uh to of find all music. Time. <laughs> of all fucking time, dude. If <laughs> we were we were incredibly smart with that one. But uh, the first show that we played, we played this weird, uh, this this church that was next to my, uh, our home, or my house in Catonsville, my parents' house. And uh, it was like literally right down the street from it. Uh, we played with a bunch of Christian hardcore bands. And uh, I had never fucking seeing something like this ever you know like there was like all the prayer circles happening and um by that point in my high school career i was a lot edgier so i i was like what the fuck is this stupid shit going on with this thing like why why are they praying in a goddamn circle before they like 
I don't know, play some like yeah, violent yeah. hardcore music. Like what is happening right now? I mean, like to each his own. And obviously my, my, uh, my tolerance religiously has gotten much better. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was quite odd. Uh, <laughs> especially like having us on the bill anyway, because like, we're just like all these like weird freaks from high school that are like, you know, doing front flips on the goddamn ground and like, saying yeah. blasphemy in jesus's name and shit like yeah did, did you did you have like the bad kid mentality where you went up on stage and said something uh, sideways just for the sake of doing it I, w- I had a little bit of wit not like not not like a supreme wit like that but i had a little bit of wit i i remember um uh vaguely expressing how fucking weird it was that you all are grown ass men praying in a damn circle <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's so funny like uh are you familiar with the film uh green room did you see that movie uh-huh. that horror movie so you know like i you could talk to people and you know i feel like especially people who are like maybe don't play in punk bands and a lot of the things I, I a lot of the criticism i've heard people say is like why would you go to you know play this like skinhead nazi club and then like play that dead kennedy song like why would you do that and i was like there's this thing when you're a young punk kid that you just have this you don't you're not thinking about the consequences or like what could happen after this thing leaves your mouth but like it's that mentality you know it's i think it's that same thing that you're that happened with you it's like you're in this place you're obviously playing this like christian show and you're up on stage and you just have this inkling to be like let's talk some shit right and you're like not thinking about it and i was like i feel like that's the same thing that's in like green room you know it's like you just go up there and you're not thinking about what's going to happen after this thing leaves your mouth you just have to go up there and say something and it's just like that edgy bad kid thing that i think lives in all in all of us that start these bands a hundred percent i mean like when you when when you're getting in the punk like that for the first time you know you have this weird uh you have this um made-up idea of what like the attitude is supposed to be or whatever right. or how you're supposed to respond to certain shit so like i in my head i'm like you know punk was never supposed to be a religious thing punk is never supposed to be like blah 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 this that and the third and uh you know i had like it was almost as if i had made my own book about this shit you know what i mean like, <laughs> sure sure it was sure, ridiculous sure. I, and like i'm like Thinking back on it, I'm like, yo, who the fuck do you think you are? These guys let you into their church and like, yeah, you're not thinking about any of that stuff. But I mean, also, I assume it's like you're you're also young. You're a fan of Void. You're like all about the upside down cross at that point. So you're like, Dude, yo, yeah, I, just- I would have gotten that shit tattooed under my eye if I wanted to, <laughs> if I could. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So what about uh? Well, I think if I saw it correctly, so when that band recorded, was it with the drummer of the band that did all the recordings? Uh, yes, yes, Saw McCabe. Um, yeah, he recorded, we recorded everything in our practice space. And so that was, that was, was that all your first time recording experiences up until Truth Cult or had you recorded in any sort of like studio before that? For them, no. Uh, for the rest of the band, they've all, even like my friends from high school, because Sean was the oldest one in the band. I think he was like 20 something, like Mm -hmm. in his like early to mid twenties, but, uh, everybody else had definitely had, uh, recorded before, whether it had been like DIY or, uh, you know, in some type of studio. Um, yeah, that was definitely my first time, like seeing or getting near any of that. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Um, and I didn't even realize how easy it could have been or how easy it actually is to record your own band as long as you have most of the shit. Uh, yeah, it was very sweet though, and it was like super eye opening, and uh, it made us more consistent and uh, you know, popping out so- and, and as far as like popping out songs here and there and all that other stuff because we could re- literally record whenever we wanted to. Yeah, that definitely helps. Does uh, what about well, so what was the first time you went to like a recording recording studio? Was that with to was that oh, like Tokyo? an actual recording? Yeah, studio. yeah, yeah, or yeah, and like you know, did the whole you know, in a vocal booth kind of thing? Yeah, uh, I think that was tokenized. So, okay. um, 
I'm pretty sure. So when when Tokenize was doing our last, uh, our last EP, the seven inch, Truth Cult had been doing the demo, and I'm trying to remember where the timelines lapsed because it was around the same time, but I just didn't know which one became came before what. Because when we recorded the demo, we recorded it with Jay Robbins, right? Um, and then Tokenize recorded with Jay Robbins is a apprentice oh wow funny enough yeah yeah who had been a friend of ours for a long time he played in this band called islet and uh neck deep i want to say that's what they're called um but yeah his name's matt redenbo he's a great dude uh and uh he has a great ear for you know punk bands and recording punk music in general yeah 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 uh i don't know if this will be out in time but uh that band that islet there's like a screamo band they're uh yeah. Yeah, I actually, the label I do, I'm putting out a comp that gets announced the beginning of May that has like 31 Screamo bands on it, and Islet is actually on it. So, Dude, yeah, that's awesome. I hadn't seen Islet in in years, and they just played their, their first show in a long-ass time, like a couple months ago in Hell Baltimore. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that they're still doing something, man. I love those yeah, dudes wow. endlessly. Small world. Small Dude, world. yeah. Uh, Joe Biden has played with them uh, at least a couple times hey there do you need to get some merch printed my incredible sponsors over at anchorfish printing has a great deal going on right now you can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks do the math that's a great deal for details email michael at anchorfishprinting.com you can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer they are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs and don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. What uh did that band tour at all? Or like what was your was your first tour with Truth Cult? Nah, we did tour. Uh Joe Biden did tour. Um we did it's so funny that we did that too, because it actually did go pretty well. We um we did a weekend and then we did, I want to say like two weeks or just, or like maybe like 10 days. We did um, the weekend of Baltimore, Philly, DC. And then we did the South and then came right back. So like North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Richmond, I'm pretty sure, Atlanta, Birmingham. Oh, wow. Yeah. Spot in Florida. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. Like, there was nothing but love the entire time. The shows were pretty good. Uh, unlike anything you, I'd ever done, gone through before. It was crazy, man. How did you book it? Was it, like, through message boards? Was it through, like, MySpace? What, what do you remember? Oh, yeah. Well, MySpace wasn't around at that point. Oh, but, at or, that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were past that. But um, how did I do that? Um, I think it was mainly, like, you know how when you do DIY and stuff like that, you ended up know you're getting to know all the people that come through and stuff like that. It's like a trading of a favor thing. Yeah, I, so, back, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, kind of deal. Exactly. So um, a lot of those people I had met through um, booking them at Charm City Art Space, or like at some show at like Holy for Holies or something like that. The DIY thing we have at this Mexican restaurant, um, and this was like one of the heydays of Facebook. Uh, you could uh, add anybody as a friend and just hit them up and be like, yo, can you please book my show and book my stupid ass band in your city or whatever. <laughs> um, what was the best show of that, of that run? Do you remember? Dude, definitely Birmingham. Um, that nice. shit was amazing. And if it was like and, a firehouse or where was it? Dude, we played this, uh, we played this basement of this, kid's parents house um my homie my late homie kala rest in peace to her she had a she had played in that band bad example uh she booked that show for us um or was it cj it was either her or cj or something or i think they both kind of did their thing with that um but it was all love the kid's dad came down and like 
partied with us, hung out. There's a lot of heads there. Uh, he gifted me a squash that he was growing, the biggest squash <laughs> I'd ever seen. Uh, <laughs> dude, it was that was the craziest time. And then I think the I think before that we played at the bunker. Um, and Kai, who plays guitar in uh, Public Acid, had booked that show. Um, and that show was fucking awesome. We played with, uh, I think the band, I think they're called Vasca. Okay. And uh, a couple of other like wild ass DB bands that I don't remember. But did you have, do you feel like you got the bug for it for like touring? Like, did you enjoy it? Was it, what oh, do you remember? Oh, yeah. 100%. Cause like, you know, you're going to these other people's cities pretty much doing whatever the hell you want. And like, you know, you get to play in front of these people, whether the show be bad or whatever, you know you're you're traveling because of it and most of these places i had never been to the places that all the places i've gone in the u.s or even like out of the country were because of touring um so it's almost like a a beautiful gift but also like a bittersweet gift because you know you gotta stay in that van for hours upon hours on end yeah yeah it's uh you know it gets talked about here pretty often but it's like touring is like the best hack for people who have never really had the opportunity to see the country or you know travel at all it's like you get to oh do a big cheat code it's a big cheat code absolutely um all right let's 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 get into truth called a little bit i was curious um how long because you mentioned that there was a crossover there with the last band and then this band so like how long had truth cult been a band before you went and recorded that first demo and like was that demo out by the time you started playing shows Yes. So, uh, Truth Cold had um, been a band for, I think, about, like, I want to say August. They have been talking about, like, they have been starting that band, Emily, Ian, and Robin. They had been starting it all or whatever. And then asked me to join a little bit later. Um, But I think that they had, like, been writing most of the songs. And then when they asked me, all the songs have been written. I just needed to write vocals for it. Um, so yeah, I want to say like it really started in, like August 2018, and then our first show was uh, Unregistered Nurse Fest. If you're familiar with that, I'm not. No. So Unregistered Nurse Fest is um, Dana's fest, who books a lot of shows in Baltimore. She had been booking shows for like 15 plus years. I want to say oh, wow, yeah. under Unregistered Nurse. And she'll get like a bunch of really cool ass bands to play. She'll get like Sheer Mag, uh, Screaming Females, Shannon the Clams, all that kind of shit. And just like put all these like Baltimore bands on and bring a bunch of cool bands that people love to Baltimore. And uh, we had played the last one. I think the flyer is right there, actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon and the Clams did play that in Soul Glow. So yeah, that was quite the fucking time man it was crazy and i'm pretty sure the demo was out by then but uh i can't it's hard to say um advanced advanced perspective put it out um and i think we had physical tapes by then okay yeah just i mean from an outside perspective like looking at at truth cult it feels like a very um strategic uh a band i mean like you know i feel like it's a flex to go to jay robbins for your demo you know what i'm saying like that's, <laughs> that's sick you know? it kind of is yeah <laughs> it kind of is and what's cool about it which what was cooler about that was uh immediately you know jay jay knew what our what the goal was for our sound and what what we needed it to be so um if there was anybody that could have been able to capture what we wanted, it would have been him, which is why we yeah. went to him all three times. I was going to say, yeah. And you obviously continue to to go to him. What's your, how's your relationship with him uh, developed over these records? Like, is there something new that is discovered when you're going to him every single time? Like that maybe you're more comfortable in that environment or is it just like, he's kind of like an extra member of the band at this point? Dude, honestly, yeah, he was like an extra member because, uh, I mean, like being with some, the first time when I was with him, it was, it was kind of, it was insane. You know, you don't want to be like a fucking fan 
a fanboy about it because yeah. like this is Jay Robbins, you know. Um, yeah. So really, like I I was I was there just kind of silent the entire time, and like I would do my uh, vocal takes, and I remember him just like being ecstatic because he'd be like, "Dude, like you just did that in one try. I don't even know if you even have to do that again." Like, uh, that's the best feeling. You, you could like, you could layer it over if you want to, but like honestly, you just you just killed it in one try. I was like, "What? Are you sure, man?" Like, he oh, was like, "Dude, like, he would tell me how like the vocals sounded and like why he thought they sounded really cool, and you know, I think he warmed himself up to us pretty quickly, um, and even so much to the point where like he's playing guitar and walk the wheel, he's playing some instruments like doing the claps with me and shit like that oh that's um, awesome it's super fun it was all it had all been super fun recording with him man he's uh so easy to work with and at this point he just like he literally just like knows what he knows what needs to be delivered to like a certain song each time you know right right uh that's awesome and how long <laughs> how long for you did it take for me to be like all right now i'm gonna start asking you questions about records you you worked on like did, did you did you warm up pretty quick like that and just wanted to start picking his brain about his his uh recording history oh dude ian did it immediately ian okay, did yeah. it immediately um i think that uh, it made jay feel pretty good about it. it made jay feel cool too or you know it made him open up and be more friendly and stuff too yeah. but like yeah i mean i think it took me to probably like the, the last time recording with with jay because yeah. uh at that point, you know, we could all like, we were all like joking with each other and stuff. And like, you know, uh, it was, it was the relationship that we all had was much less transactional and more like just fun. You know what I mean? Totally. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think I want to say it was probably like around like the last, honestly, like the last like two days we were recording that I got to like, <laughs> get to like, ask him right, about. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I've been um, waiting for this moment for like five years. Um, so on fire came out in 2020, and you know I feel like for me personally that was like a bright spot during a bad year. You know where <laughs> yeah, pretty horrible. Where and I was curious um, if the band had a ton of plans around the release of that record, like tours and stuff like that, that you had to put on hold, or was it sort of like a we're just going to drop this record and just do as much as we can. Like, I, I was just kind of curious what that was like for you all. Cause we, I mean, like we also put out a record in 2020 and I also want to give you uh, an, an applause for already having a new album out since then. Whereas like, we haven't even written a damn song yet. Cause we're still so like, <laughs> fuck man, we didn't, you know, like it, we still feel a little hurt by having to put out a record during a year. We couldn't do a ton, you know? Do. Yeah. And like what you said, you know, like uh, it does get, it gets like a little bit daunting and uh, you, you feel, uh, you feel a bit crazy after a while because of like this record that you work so hard on, just like kind of getting lost in the ether of all totally. that shit. Right. You can't support it. So um, yeah, we did have like before, right before the world went to shite, we uh, had this tour to go to South by Southwest. We we're going to play the death match joint that Sam Velde does. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I had met him, I think like in like 2019 at one of the praise shows. Cause Vans was doing all those, uh, mm -hmm. they were doing all those showcases or something like that. And he was helping them do that. And he had become a fan of truth Cold at that point. So that tour was happening. We were going to do a West coast tour talks of like Europe and stuff like that. Um, all just like building up anticipation to this record, you know? Yeah. And what's crazier about it too, is that like, I think if like, I think if, uh, that I came out like maybe like a little bit before then it probably would have gotten as forgotten as it did, but also like, you know, who's to fucking say, right. Um, regardless like of. Because I don't know if you remember what when and when during the year did it actually end up coming out? Was it like the fall? The record? Yeah, on fire. Man. Did it end up like the? F when was it? It was May. 
May. Okay. So yeah, just a, just a little bit after things started to really shut down. Cause yeah, I mean, I feel like your band was one of the first, at least for me to where, you know, we all realized what was happening at that point, you know, shows weren't happening anymore, but you dropping a record at a point when a lot of other bands were now shelving their records until whenever this was going to end when we had no idea. It was this like, like I said, like a bright spot to where it was like, oh, now I have something to look forward to. I have something new that I'm excited about. So, you know, you got to be one of those bands, I think, for a lot of people that uh, was this sort of shining light in a moment of darkness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I don't regret anything. I don't regret any like decisions we made or whatever. I'm glad that it got to happen. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, it got it got the reception that it did while it was happening. But uh, I think that this new record is like I, what the, uh, what really encapsulates what our sound is now. And like, that is where we like really, really learned how to be in a band with each other. And like what we all, all yeah. of our dynamics and all of our like, how to push each of one of our boundaries, whether it be with the playing, the songwriting, the singing, the delivery of the vocals, the vocal content. Um, I think that that, I think that all fire was, um, while I love it and everything and I'm glad it happened. I think that was just like the buff, the buffer of, you know, what was to come later on for truth cult, or at least well, that's that, how I kind of have, yeah. have to think about it now, you know? Well then, you know, I guess we can look at it as a silver lining then where you're just like, you're like, yo, so we uh you got you had the odd you had the tryout record that no one got to really see and now yeah. you have and now you have the full realized thing i mean yo that revolution of uh connection song was like in my head for that entire year like that's one of my favorite songs of these last like 10 years i'll say that dude it's a jammer and like i think we were going to try to do a, even like a music video for that song too but obviously you know yeah, shit happens i was curious uh before we actually uh talk about walk the wheel for a sec was um, how did the Popwig thing happen? I think people would be interested to hear that story. Obviously, that's run by the people of, you know, uh, Turnstile and Angel Dust and all of that. How did that relationship start? Uh, we've all been friends with each other for so long. And uh, I think while we were shopping for, uh, to see where we should, like, move on for to see who would, uh, you know, put out the record, I think uh, Popwig came about because of uh, the the uh, diversity of all the shit that they've put out in their catalog, you know, like as far as like big, bib, bug, big bite, uh, the angel dust stuff. Um, yeah, I think we just loved all that versatility. So, um, I think we had reached out to Dan or justice or maybe both of them. And, you know, threw out a feeler and was like, Hey, we have this record that we're recording. What you guys think about it? And I think Dan had already been a fan of us because he had put um, he had put a T-ball into the demo. So uh, Dan was like, yo, I am 100% down to do this record. I think it's a go. I think it's we, we're appreciative for you guys, like even asking us to do it. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Justice came in and uh, watched us record some of the songs too with Jay and stuff. And I think by that point, it was all solidified. And I think they felt a lot more comfortable with doing it all once they saw what they were working with in the recording process of it all. You know what I mean? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was curious with uh, with Walk the Wheel, like, you know, we just talked about, you know, not getting to do a ton for On Fire because of the pandemic and all of that sort of stuff. I was curious for you all what, like, at what point did you start actually writing this record? Did it take you a while to get the, the like, okay, I think we should start doing this, like, sort of bug? Oh, hell no, dude. We started doing it right after. Like, as soon as we could practice again, there was, like, that little break in time where we had to chill out for a second. Yeah. And then once we all met up again, you know, we were wearing the mask in the studio or in the practice space. Ian was like, okay, you guys just want to write a new record? Like maybe like <laughs> six months later. Oh my God. Everybody was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, by that point, we had written probably like about six songs. 
And even before that, because when All Fire, All Fire was recorded in like summer of 2019. Mm. So we had been sitting on that for like a, like a year right. before it came out. Totally. So um, we were already writing new music by that point too. I think we might have written like three or two. Resurrection, I think, was one of them. Okay. One of the songs that we have been that have been written for a long time now, but yeah, it did not take much long after, and we played this show, uh, one of the first shows back, um, in like summer of 2021. By that point, we had written all the new record. Holy shit! Um, and we just we were just like, hey, you know, we haven't practiced any of these old songs. Let's just play the entirety of this fucking record. <laughs> so that's exactly what we did yeah damn damn that's that's awesome um i like the uh the title of the record and it led me to actually like researching a little bit uh about what that phrase is and i was curious how you came across walk the wheel and like what it actually means to you because i thought it was like rude like actually like rooted in like an old pagan thing and i was just yeah i was curious where you where you uh came up titling the record that to be completely honest i had i didn't even i had no bark in that that was uh ian um ian is um pretty much in love with anything that is lore so like as far as his explanation on why that record was called that i actually have no idea i kind of just was like sounds good yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's just do it yeah, I, I thought this was really great. Here, I'll just read this because this is kind of fun. Uh, it says like, uh, there's a there's a thing I found that says, to walk the wheel is also a way to open our senses and awareness to seasonal changes in the world around us. It can be followed by anyone or any or no belief or faith. And it can be interwoven with strands from a variety of other spiritual and other spirit, uh, other spiritual and non-spiritual practices. Walking the wheel can be an extension of your life as it stands or a way to, uh, to develop in new directions or both, which just sounds like kind of a cool mission statement for maybe what the band is. I mean, as much as you're saying like, yeah, you just kind of gave Ian the thumbs up. I think regardless of you knowing that or whatever, that sounds pretty truthful to like who your band is. I would even say so too. I mean, like, I think as that's a that's a crazy statement, dog. That's like I didn't even. I feel like it is kind of true. Um, like, I think with the new record, there's a lot of um, a lot of the lyrical content, you know, has a lot to do with um. My uh, my personal ins and outs as far as like my vices or like dealing with grief or uh, you know uh trying to adjust to the world around me constantly and like not knowing how to pace myself around that. I think that that is a, I think that that could also like straight up hold true as far as like where that goes. Right. Um, I, I never thought of like how, how the, the, the title of the record should like, match what the content of what the lyrics should be or like maybe even like the personal attitude right but i think like you know even if like even without me having no knowledge to why ian called it that i think that's like a perfect uh a perfect description of that research right like i think that's like pretty much a nail on the head sometimes these things just find you in a weird way you know like there's there's been plenty of records or like things that you know i've been a part of where you just something just pops up and you just name something this or you name a song that or something like that and then the how what that title is ends up meaning so much more to you later on because of of new discoveries of like what that word or that phrase can mean you know it's a, it's an interesting thing about i think this creative process that we're all a part of yeah exactly um and i think that can be true that that uh that look that like reading could be true for like most musicians i guess right because i feel like um to to make music is to just like be vulnerable in general and uh unleash this like what might some might call like a newfound glory to like any sort of like audience that'll hear you right um which i which takes a lot of adjusting in the first place 
to like what where the quote might say uh learning to adjust to the world around you right yeah no definitely uh also before we before we wrap up i just have to ask because i think it's so funny we um are i know you played a record release show and uh someone who is a fan of yours uh who is someone who's kind enough to to hit me with it i got sent the record release cover which is like oh, uh, I, I got i got a copy of the record release version which i was really psyched uh so shout out to to that help um but i was curious uh for people who are listening it's a uh little caesar's pizza sort of um uh, screen printed cover or something like that what what's the relationship with uh little caesar's pizza hit me <laughs> oh man dude ian is uh this is uh to to show how much of a true psycho he is uh his favorite pizza man like the best the best pizza that could ever exist in the world in him is little caesar's dude like at his uh at his uh nice age at his fruitful age of like 30 something no pizza can hit harder than a little caesar's pizza and uh in the uh in the cover it's kind of there's like a little bit of like easter eggs too there's yeah. the uh the little uh the little clock that the little Caesars man is doing, like the little, yeah. that little joint, that is a reference to uh, the clock in Killing Time. Okay. Like for that logo, yeah. So he wanted to throw a little bit of HC into the mix. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing like the 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 little Caesars hardcore uh, collaboration for a cover. That's amazing. That's amazing, dude. It's it's so crazy, dog. I, I <laughs> I'm down. I mean. I didn't know what it looked like, and I just like got it sent in the mail after this person purchased it for me, and I opened it up, and I just started laughing. I was like, "What the fuck?" So, so you knew that there was gonna be, you knew there was gonna be a, a record release cover, but you didn't know what it what was it gonna was. be. Exactly, exactly. Ah, that's dude, sick. Yeah, dude, hit me up and was just like, "Yo, I'm at the show. Do you want to copy this? I know you love the band." And I was like, "Oh, that's super nice. Of you sure? Yeah, let me Venmo you. I'll send you. You know." And he had he didn't tell you anything at all about no. it. You probably thought it'd be sicker if he didn't. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, well, damn, dude, let me hit, this has been awesome. Let me hit you with the last question, which is, uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Uh, so, like, in the earlier in the interview, I talked about the Token 97-inch coming out. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that is probably the first time I've ever uh, felt like something that I've, been working towards and something that I have built with like my friends, uh, my closest friends from the ground up. That's like, we built this whole thing and we finally got to release something that we've been doing since we were little teenage assholes, you know, for so long. Uh, it was an incredibly exhilarating experience to have these records all in my face, even if we didn't like sell a bunch of it, even if like we're like a Baltimore niche that only people in Baltimore might know, like that was uh, the first time I think I've ever felt super accomplished as something that I've, that I've done or something that I've worked towards. And uh, it inspired me to even like, to, to take this truth cult thing to, this level that we're at now, you know, and get sober and bugshish with truth cold and push my boundaries with this band, you know? Um, oh, so I'm forever grateful for everything tokenized has done for me and turned me into. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks so much, Paris. This has been, this has been great. Dude, Jeremy, thank you so much for having me, dog. This has been a great time. Uh, never got to think, never thought I'd get to do this with you. I've seen touche, so many goddamn times back in the day so oh, it's, wow. uh, it's lovely to finally get to meet you formally through even if it's through the internet you know oh that's very flattering thanks for sharing that i appreciate that absolutely that's our show thank you so much to paris for coming on and thank you for listening reminder there's a bonus episode available right now where paris answered questions that were submitted by subscribers 
you can access that by going to patreon.com slash the first ever patreon all right take care i will see you monday with a brand new radio hour be good bye bye